Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Anyway, we're in the middle of a uh, two-part series. I'm going to finish up. Last week, I started uh, a little two-part series called What About the Middle? What About the Middle? And we read from this scripture in Romans chapter 4 that was kind of our key scripture. It says this, as it was written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and he calls those things that be not as though they were. And our focus last week was that if God's calls some things that be not as though they were, how many of you guys know there are times in our lives where things be not what we thought they were going to be? You get married and your marriage don't be, be not working out the way you thought it was going to be working out. Or you, you, you started tithing and you started giving and, and, you, and you started trusting God with your, with, your, with your finances, but things still be not working out the way you thought they were going to work out. Your bank account still be not having no money in it. And... Uh, or your, your, your children be not acting like they need to be acting, or, or even your physical body it be not responding to your prayers and communion, and you're, you're doing a lot of things that, that you know the Bible says to do. And uh, I think that's where a lot of us get caught up. It's in the middle. It's not the beginning. There's a natural energy that comes at the beginning of a thing. Nobody gives up when they can see the finish line. It's somewhere in the middle when you know there's a promise there, but you're not living in it. You're not walking in it. You're not experiencing that. And I'll just tell you, everybody deals with the middle. Every one of us in this room, we've been in the middle before. Uh, not to get too personal, but my wife and I, we're currently, and in our, in our marriage, we're in the middle of some things. Uh, and I don't really know how it's going to work out, to be quite honest with you, because I, I want an RV, and she says we're not getting one. And she won't submit, and she won't hear God, and she just doesn't see that we need an RV. And so... Uh, so we're kind of in the middle of that. But no, all jokes aside, last week, one of the things, a few of the things we talked about uh, that I believe not just help us to, uh, survive the middle seasons, if you will, but also thrive uh, in the middle seasons. The first thing we talked about was his word. In the middle, you're going to need his word. The Bible says his word is a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light unto our path. And so there are times in the middle where things get hazy, things get foggy, and the only way we'll know for sure where God's leading us is through his word. That word is concrete. It's 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 never changing. And so sometimes that's what we need is just a word from God. The other thing we talked about is in the middle, uh, you're going to need his presence. Noah, the great, uh, I'm sorry, Moses, the great deliverer of the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage, he said this to the Lord. He said, Lord, uh, I know you've called me to lead these people, but I'm not going if you're not going. If your presence isn't going with me, then I'm not going. I, I would say that he's learned something about the presence of God, of how the presence of God will sustain you and confirm that he's never left you, he's never forsaken you, he's with you no matter what it is that you're going through. The Bible says, Jay, through I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why you'll fear no evil? Because you know he's with you. You know his presence is there with you. And then the last thing we talked about is his people. In the middle, you're going to need his people. This is often uh, overlooked, the, 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 the significance, if you will, of, of his people. I told our, our team this morning in our pre-service meeting, I feel like the Lord has me in a season where I'm just... Uh, he's reminding me of, of how amazing his people are. Uh, I've been able to form some really uh, dear friendships, close friendships, closer friendships than I've had in a long time over the last several months. And it's, it's spending time with his people and seeing the God in his people, them being strong when maybe I'm not as strong, them giving me things to work on, them showing me some things about who God is that I didn't know. Uh, you've heard, you may have heard me say this before, but inside every single one of us is something uniquely us, but perfectly God. 
And when we embrace people and everything about them, even the things that are different, uh, different from the way we are, we're actually embracing God. Uh, and when sometimes when you're, in, when you're in the middle and you don't have the answer, the answer you need is in someone beside you. It's not necessarily in a scripture. It's not necessarily in his presence. It's in a person who may be sitting uh, right beside you. And so uh, I want to continue talking about the middle uh, for, for just a minute this week. What exactly is the middle? I, I've kind of identified four types of middle, uh, if you will, and I think it's important that we do this because if you don't understand what you're actually dealing with, you won't respond the appropriate way. If you don't understand what this, what, why, what is this middle? Why am I in this season? What is this? Uh, you, you'll, not, you'll not respond the right way. One of the, one of the things that you can sometimes be in the middle of is you can be in the middle of an attack or a temptation of the enemy. I don't like to talk about it a ton because I don't want to give the enemy uh, time on my podcast, but uh, it, it is true. There, there is a time of temptation. There are times of attack from the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So there are times where this is what we're fighting against. We're fighting against uh, darkness. We're fighting against the enemy. But I love what James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Let me just say this about an attack of the enemy. What you have to understand about the attack is you're being attacked by someone who's already been defeated, and they're trying to convince you that it's not true. There is, he has no authority. He has no dominion. His, ta- his attack is fruitless unless you give it voice. When he comes, in, and I'll just tell you, most of the time his, his attack comes to our mind. He tries to put a thought in our mind and believe that things aren't the way Jesus said they were, that, they, that things aren't finished like he said on the cross. So the Bible says we have to resist the devil and he will flee. But sometimes you find yourself in the middle uh, of a temptation, of a trial, of, of an attack from the enemy. Another thing you can find yourself uh, in the middle of is a test in your journey. It's just a test in your journey. And I'll just go so far as to say it's a test sometimes from God. Sometimes God tests our faith. We all know the story of, uh, of Abraham who God gave him the promised son Isaac, and then he said, okay, I want you to go sacrifice your son Isaac. Did he really need him to sacrifice his son Isaac? No. Was that the end goal? No. What was it? It was a test of his faith. It was a test of Abraham's faith. I know for me, there, there, were, there were times in my life where uh, the, the Lord tested me. I, there was a time when, and I've, and I've shared this quite often, I, never, I told the Lord years ago, Lord, I know I'm called to ministry and I'll do anything but pastor. And if I have to pastor, I'll pastor anywhere but Midland, Texas. So here we are pastoring in Midland, Texas. And, uh, but I remember when the Lord began to move on my heart for this city, I was working at a church in Amarillo and uh, there was a campus pastor position available in this, in, at, the, at the church I was working for at the time here in Midland. And, and, and something rose up in me. I was like, Lord, I, I'm starting to feel you pull my heart towards pastoring this church uh, in Midland. And I said, I, I just don't want it to be the next thing to do in climbing the ladder in, in ministry or whatever. You know, you, you've done all these other things. Now you need to be a pastor. I don't want it to be because of that. I said, I want you to put uh, a burning passion for the heart, uh, in my heart for the people of Midland. I don't want to do it just because it's the next thing to do. I want to do it for the people uh, of Midland. And I remember at the time I was driving down the highway the Lord had told me to lighten the load and had asked me to get rid of everything, even all of my hobbies, which sometimes he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have a problem with your hobbies until he does, <laughs> until your hobbies have you, and he doesn't. And, I, and I, this was a season where I think the Lord was testing my faith, and I was actually driving down the highway to sell my bass boat that was such a great bass boat. And 
But I said, Lord, if this is you, I, you had to put the heart of the, of the people of Midland in, in or, or the, the people of Midland in my heart. And I, the, the presence of God and compassion filled the, the truck so strongly that I had to pull over on the side of the road and I just wept for 30 minutes on the side of the road. And I knew God was calling me to the city of Midland. But I took it to my pastor. I said, hey, I, I think the Lord's calling me to pastor this church in Midland. And he said, no, sir, he's not. I need you to stay right here with me. And I was like, well, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Did you not hear I said God said? <laughs> and so I found myself in this trial. I knew the Lord had called me to submit my life to this man and submit my life to this ministry and uh, be faithful with another man's before I was faithful with my own. That is one thing, that is one test every single person in this room will have to pass. If you cannot be faithful with another man's vision, God will never give you your own. You say, well, I've already got a vision. Okay, great. Now go be faithful with another man's and put yours on a shelf. If you cannot learn to be faithful with another man's, he'll never give you your own. And, and so that's kind of where I was. I was like, okay, Lord, what the heck am I supposed to do here? I thought you called me to Midland, and he said, I'm not going. And so, and he said that I, and I told you I would serve him the rest of my life. And so I had to, I had to get real creative, if you will. And I remember there was, a, there was a worship leader position available at this campus to go alongside with the new, uh, the new senior pastor that they were going to put in. And so I just did the only thing in my heart that I thought answered both of those questions, that the fact that the Lord had called me to Midland uh, and that I still had to serve this, this man. And so I had job interviews lined up. I didn't tell anybody about it except for my wife. And we had job interviews lined up in Midland for me to go back to work in the oil field. And we were going to move here. Her apply, even though she was the senior worship leader at the time of all the campuses, her apply for the, the, the worship leader position here, me go to work in the oil field and serve as a volunteer the church here. And, and I, I remember we were in a meeting one day, and they were giving me a new job description, and I was going to be over this and that and the other. And I, I just couldn't stand it any longer. I said, I need, I need everybody out of the room. I need to talk to the pastors. And I told the pastor, I said, look, I said, I, I, with all my heart, I wanted to honor your word that you said I'm not supposed to be the pastor of that church. And if that's, if that's the case, so be it. And I told you I'd serve you the rest of my life. But I also know that the, the Lord put the people of Midland in my heart. And so I have got to find a way to do both. It was a test of my faith. It was a test of my faith. Would I give up this call to ministry to go back to work in the, or, or call to pastor to, to go back to work in the oil field and serve and not get paid to serve the church? It was a test of my faith. And he said, you know, well, I need to think about it overnight. And it was interesting. The next day he came in and he offered us both, me, this, me the pastor position and Leanne, the worship leader position to move us to Midland. And I said, look, uh, I don't want do, to feel like I pressured you into this. And he, he said, clear as a bell. He said, the Lord came to him in the night and said that, that, that was my Isaac, that I had passed the test. And I'll just tell you, there will be times in your life where it will be one of the most stressful, heavy times in your life, but it's not the enemy. It's God testing your faith. And I'll just tell you, it's not so God knows where your faith is, it's so you do. It's so you do. I believe that with all of my heart. When, when, when God was testing Abraham, God knows the end from the beginning. He knew what was going to happen. He needed Abraham to know where his faith was. And I think sometimes until you pass a test and you look back and you're like, Oh my God, I did it. <laughs> I passed the test. I hadn't passed very many in my life, but I passed that one. He needs you to know where your faith is. And so I, I, that was a big part for me. And I think that there's every, every single person in this room, you need a time where God puts a test in front of you and you pass that test. It, it does something for your soul. Uh, we'll move on. Another thing that you can be in the middle of, and we all know these, it's a mess that you created yourself. Anybody else ever been in a mess that you created yourself? It's like, you know, that one's not an attack of the enemy. That one's not a test of my faith. That's just me. 
I did that. Uh, one of the, I think one of the best stories in the Bible is a good old uh, children's story. We tell it in children's church of Jonah and the whale. And you guys know Jonah in the whale. I, I can only picture Jonah's conversation with himself when he's inside the belly of the whale. Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> that was all my fault. I, my wife, we, we've been there before where you're in the middle of a mess that, that, that you created. You did it. You're in, I, there was a time in me and Leanne's life when we first got married, we did some real dumb things uh, with, with, our, with our money, and we had so much credit card debt, it was ridiculous. Can I just tell you, an attack of the enemy did not make me buy a jet ski. And I'll tell you another thing, an attack of the enemy did not make me not go get insurance on it and it gets stolen a week I bought it. Yeah, how about that one? But that, can I just say, that wasn't an attack of the enemy. That was an attack of stupidity is what that was. That, that was a mess that I created. And I think sometimes it just, you have to learn to admit, like, hey, this isn't the enemy and this isn't God. This one was me. It was a poor decision that I made. You find yourself in a relational, relational turmoil or relational tension because you were gossiping. Have you guys have ever been in a situation like that where you were talking trash about somebody and they found out it was you you were talking trash about them? It's like, oh, hey, see what had happened was sometimes there, there are things that just, we, 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 we do it. We spend the money that we shouldn't spend. And now we're in financial tension and stress and it, it was us. Guess what? God can redeem messes you make. Doesn't matter if it was a mess that you created. He's the redeemer of messes that you created. Because let's just be honest, most of them you created. He's the God of, of cleaning up your mess. And so sometimes you find yourself in a mess that you created. And here's another one that I almost forgot to mention. The Lord reminded me of this late last night. Uh, sometimes you find yourself in the middle of a mess that someone else created. And I think sometimes these are the hardest ones to deal with. You know the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel and the lion's den. See, Daniel was in pursuit of God, and he was doing everything that the Lord told him to do, and in his wisdom had found favor with the king. So Daniel's doing everything right, but the jealousy of some people around the king had to find a way to get rid of Daniel because they did not like the relationship that he had with the king. So they tricked the king into, into signing this decree that gets Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Daniel didn't get Daniel thrown into the lion's den, and even the king didn't get Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Some other people did. And so sometimes you find yourself in the middle of a mess that you had nothing to do with. Sometimes you find yourself on the wrong end of a divorce because your, your, your spouse had an affair. Or your spouse just surprises you one day and says, I'm no longer in love with you. And I think sometimes those are the, those are the toughest messes to deal with, if I'm just being honest with you. You look at, I remember kind of, and it wasn't like we got down in the dumps over it, but I remember when, when we've told the story where Leanne's family died in a plane crash. Can I just tell you, we were in the middle of a mess that we had nothing to do with. I don't know what led to all that, and I may never know. I don't need to know why all of those things happened, but all I know is with all of our heart, we're two kids in love trying to pursue God, doing this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden, you're in the middle of a mess that you had nothing to do with. And I think sometimes those are the times when you question, Lord, where are you in the middle of all this? What in the world is going on? And so I just want to continue talking. I've got a few more things uh, that I think will help you in the middle, because here's, here's the bottom line. 
why it's so important that we start to just understand that the mess in the middle or things in the middle can be caused from different things. It could be an attack of the enemy. It could be a test of your faith. It could be a mess that you created. It could be a mess that somebody else created. It's important that you start to understand those concepts because if you don't know what kind of middle you're in, you won't respond appropriately. There's times when there's testing of your faith, and when God's testing your faith, you don't want to resist it. You resist the devil. You don't resist the test. Sometimes you have to stand up underneath the test. Okay, Lord, I see what's going on here. This doesn't feel good. This thing you're asking me to do, it seems too risky. It seems like there's a lot at stake. If I make this decision, I do what you told me to do. This is going to cost me my family. This is going to cost me my job. It's going to, it's going to cost me some money. It's going to cost me something. It's risky. You don't want to be resisting when the Lord's giving you an opportunity for breakthrough. So if you don't start, and, and, this, and the other thing, if you find yourself in the middle of a mess that you created or somebody else did, the last thing you want to do is say, well, the Lord's just testing me. Because all of a sudden you're assessing, you're, you're attributing things to his character that that's just not who he is. And all of a sudden you find yourself in, in financial lack or you find yourself in, where you're, you're physically sick because you've made poor decisions about your health your whole life and now you're physically sick and all of a sudden you attribute the disease that you have to the testing of God. God does not give diseases. The Bible says it's the, the enemy, it's the thief that comes to kill and to steal and to destroy, but he has come to give life and life more abundantly. So if you don't understand those things, you won't know how to respond in the test. Or you won't know how to respond in the middle if you're giving it the if you if you don't understand exactly what kind of middle it is. And so it really is important that you that we know that. And uh, I just want to give go down the list. I've only got a couple a couple more minutes. We've already said in the middle you're going to need His Word. In the middle you're going to need His presence. In the middle you're going to need His people. But here's one that's just I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes it's just not fun. But in the middle you're going to need His correction. In the middle, you're going to need his correction, especially if you're in the middle of a mess that you created. One of the biggest killers, one of the biggest hindrances to you getting out of the middle is pride because you can't be corrected and told you're the one that got yourself in this in the first place. And that's not, that's not to be hateful or rude, and that doesn't change who you are in Christ Jesus. It just it affects that you're going to stay in the middle a little longer. If every time you blow, you blow your, your fuse and you, you lose your temper and you say things, this is one, I've had some, a few people say this to me here lately, and to be quite honest with you, it's just hilarious. Here's what they say. They say, you know, so-and-so did this, that, and this, and I just couldn't help it. I had to say something. You could help it. And you didn't have to say something. And the fact, sometimes the situations you're in is because you actually believed you couldn't help it. And you actually believe that you had to say something. When the Bible teaches us, the Word teaches us that if you can control your tongue, you're a perfect man. And so to say that, no, I'm sorry, I just couldn't control it, I had to say something. And nobody can tell you, hey, no, you, you actually shouldn't have said something. Well, somebody needs to say something. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe, but that somebody ain't you. But if in, 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 the, in, in the mess in the middle at times, especially messes that you created. If you cannot be corrected, I just you need to build you a little hut in the middle because you're going to be there a while. Just build you a little house because you just make, take up residency there. In the middle, sometimes the only thing that's going to get us out of the middle, out of the middle of a mess specifically that we created is our ability to be corrected. Now, again, it's very important that you understand this. God doesn't use disease to correct. God doesn't use disaster 
to correct. God doesn't use shame to correct. He's not going to do something and all of a sudden you lose everything and you're like, man, I'm the shame of the city. I'm the laughing stock of the city. The Lord must be trying to teach me something. He does not use shame. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. He never uses shame. Why would he give you shame when he took away shame on the cross? That's why when we correct our children, yes, we need to correct our children, but we better not shame them and we better not embarrass them. I've, I've watched parents struggle with this with their kids in restaurants. It's like, okay, your kid's acting crazy in a restaurant, and, 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 and there's this wrestle of, of, of do I correct them or do I not? Do I deal with this in the restaurant or do I not? Do I not? And I, I'll just tell you, yes and yes. <laughs> you do correct them, and you say, you know what, um, little Johnny, can you? I don't know why I always use little Johnny. Poor little Johnny's always in trouble, it seems like. <laughs> little Johnny, uh, I need to have a little word with you, and you take him to the bathroom or you take him to the car, you administer the discipline, you let him get himself all together and you get lots of tears. You give him a hug, tell him how much you love him, how much how the fact that you gave him some correction and some punishment has nothing to do with how much you love him and you believe he's going to be better next time and then you go back to the table. It's that simple. But you don't humiliate them. You don't shame them. God doesn't do that to us, so we shouldn't do that to them. So he doesn't use certain things to correct, but he does use his word. His word is what brings that correction. Here's what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking. You know what? Rebuking actually is using another person's story to teach you a lesson so you don't make the same mistake. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what the Scripture's for. And I'll just tell you this too. If you need to learn to receive people that come to you with Scripture. You need to have people in your life that can come to you with Scripture. Now, if they're hateful and rude and, and they're not, the Bible says, speak the truth in love, if they're not doing it in love, I'd, I'd question what their real motive is. But if someone can come to you in Scripture or you read something in Scripture and it's not who you are, it's not how you're acting, it's not how you're behaving, this is easy. Just change. The fact that you're making a mistake doesn't change who you are in Christ Jesus. He still loves you. He's still for you. And you're still going to go to heaven. But if you don't change, you're staying in the middle. Not too many amens. That's okay. This is a tough one. This is a little difficult here. Here's one, and I actually feel this is, I don't know what it is about the holidays, but the holidays seem to bring about uh, a lot of relational tension because you're around your family, and we all know we love our family, but we don't always like our family. And if anybody's ever hurt us really deep, it's usually our family that's done it. Am I right? Some of the deepest wounds are our family. And can I just say this right now? There are, there are, if you don't learn to forgive, like the Scripture tells us we're supposed to give, forgive, every single holiday is going to be terrible for you. Every time the holidays roll around, you're like, oh, I'm in the middle again. Got to be around my uncle or my mother-in-law. Sometimes I'm so stupid. <laughs> Let's just read a scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Let's just all say that together. 
forgiving each other. One more time, forgiving each other. There is no such thing as something that someone can do to you that you cannot forgive them for. That thing does not exist. Doesn't exist. And, I, and I, that's not to minimize things that have happened to people. I, I actually know fa- people in my family who terrible things have happened to them, but they chose to forgive. And I'll promise you this, not because they felt like it, but because they valued that word and they valued that scripture and that thing that they had dealt with their whole life and they, where they lived in the middle of that hurt and that pain and that bitterness and that anger and that resentment. They said, I'm not going to live in the middle the rest of my life. I'm going to do what the word says. I'm going to forgive and I'm going to get out of the middle and I'm going to go on with my life. And some of you, that's what you need to hear this holiday. This might be the holiday season that you, you say, you know what? This is not going to be, this is not going to be crappy. This is not going to be the time that I can't look at that person and he's like, Ugh. this is not going to be the time I dread going to so-and-so's house or dread, dread. No, this is not the season of dread. This is the season of forgiveness. Therefore, it's the season of joy. Why? Because the scripture says forgive. I don't feel like it. I don't care. The scripture says it anyway. There has, in the middle, you have, to be, you have to be willing to allow the word, the word of God, to correct you. We're going to fast forward, and I'm going to talk about one more thing. And now that I'm here, I just, there's no way I can do it justice in, in the amount of time that I have left. But I, I'll start down this road, and I encourage you to pursue uh, more about this. And, and, and I might even come back around when we get back in, in 2018. But this is so important. But in the middle you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Um, Luke 24, verse 48 and 49 says this, and you are all witness of these things. Behold, I'm, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, and the disciples are about to go out, and they're about to get in the middle of a bunch of stuff. They're about, to, they're about to fulfill the call of God on their life. They're about to preach the gospel. They're about to be attacked by the enemy. There's, there's all kinds of middle, if you will, facing the disciples. The middle is in their future. And here's what Jesus says. Don't dare get in the middle until you receive power from on high. In other words, you will not make it in the middle if you don't have some power. I love my mom who taught me this years ago about the Holy Spirit. It was this, this example she used about the Holy Spirit. She said it's like a, uh, she's like, it's like when you get saved, it's like you're a diesel engine truck. You're a big old Ford F-250. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like putting the chip in. It's like there's going to be times in life where there's a load too heavy and you're going to be going over some ups and downs in life. And if you don't have that just a little bit extra power, you're not going to get there. You can go to heaven and never have received the Holy Spirit, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to live a lot of your life in the middle if you don't. Leon's dad taught me this years ago. He, I remember him reading John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. He took my Bible out there in his kitchen. He underlined these things. And I'll, I'll never forget that. But It says... <clears throat> It says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. In the middle, sometimes you need to learn some stuff. It says the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. Sometimes when you're in the middle, you just need to be reminded about Jesus. You just need to be reminded about what he did. It says he'll remind you of things that he said. You know, the Holy Spirit will actually read Scripture back to you in your mind. 
When you're in the middle of something, he'll say, hey, remember what the word says? He's reminding you of what he said. Because he guides you into all truth. Sometimes when you're in the middle and you're like, I want to do right, I just don't know which way to go. It's the Holy Spirit that guides you into all truth. And I'll just say this, it's not just the Holy Spirit within you. The Bible says uh, that Jesus was talking to the disciples before, he, before the cross, before the resurrection. He said, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's with you now and he will be in you eventually. So he was there present, and it, but he said eventually he will be in you. The Holy Spirit came in you when you were born again. The blood of Jesus cleansed your spirit, and the Holy Spirit himself took up residence and joined your spirit inside you. you, have a, you there is a union there. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the Holy Spirit with you, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit in you. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit upon you. Have you ever been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Here's where we see it in Scripture, in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And again, I'm, I'm going after some really sacred religious cows here, and you're just going to have to bear with me and let the, let the Spirit of the Lord do a work here. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 says, And it happened with Apollos, or while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Jesus. So he came upon some born-again followers of Jesus, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Is it just me, or is that two separate things? They were already followers of Jesus. And he says, okay, when you became followers, did you also receive what? The Holy Spirit. And so he said, they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Also known as, who's that? We didn't know nothing about this dude. We knew about Jesus. But who's this guy? And he said to them, into what were you baptized? In other words, like, well, then what in the world were you baptized into? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like, okay, well, we need to bat we were baptized in John. We need to be baptized in Jesus, and let's do the Jesus thing. But then, and when Paul laid his hands on them, it says, the Holy Spirit came where? Upon. Not came with, came alongside them. It didn't come in them. It says, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. There are some times when in your natural strength, in the realm of your soul, in your mind, in your will, and your emotions, you will not have what it takes to get through the middle lest the Holy Spirit come upon you and bring power to help you get up this heavy hill that you're climbing up. You will need the Holy Spirit upon you. And I just leave that up there because I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm, I'm over my time. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now this is in Acts. This is New Covenant. This is New Testament. This is me and you. The Holy Spirit came upon them and what did they do? They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Somewhere in your theology, you got to deal with that. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. The Bible says in the book of Jude, says, build your, let me, let me preface this so I can set you up. So how many of you guys believe that sometimes in the middle, you're going to need your most holy faith? Raise your hand if sometimes just your, I mean, I need my most holy faith. I need the most holy faith. The book of Jude says this, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in other tongues. I'm just telling you why, and I, I'm so over, but 
The most powerful thing on the planet is words. The only person that knows how to pray a perfect prayer is God himself. When you speak in tongues and you pray in tongues, you're saying, oh, sir, that speaks perfect prayers, I give my body over to you to release the most powerful thing on the planet, which is words. And you pray the perfect prayer for my life and you can use my body to do it. It's just that simple. And we don't have time to get into much more of the theology, but I just, with all my heart, I, I, I don't want you living in the middle. I want you to understand the power of his word, the power of his presence, the power of his people. I want you to be humble enough to receive correction, but I, I think more than all of those things, because this is what Jesus wanted, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you to maybe do some things that maybe your mind doesn't understand, but it's the very thing that's going to get you through the middle. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.